sex. Sex. And over the next two episodes, it will be our job to go wherever Gregory Dark has gone. From hardcore heavy hitters like New Wave Hookers to billion streaming pop promos sung by The Calling and Britney Spears. Predominantly, though, we're here for the softcore. And as one third of production company Axis Films International, Dark spearheaded over a dozen video store classics and we'll be examining every one of them. I'm Dave Wayne, and here with me, as always, is my flesh-fancying friend, Matty Budrevich. Hello. Let's get to work. of schlock and all. Welcome to Flesh Noir, the home of the straight-to-video erotic thriller. Here are your hosts, Maddie Budrevich and Dave Wayne. Sex. Sex. So, it's been a while. It's been a very long while, yes. We've been busy. We're massively busy. We're busy people. We haven't got time for these 17 podcasts a week. <laughs> all our contemporaries seem these to do. fanciful jaunts. Podcasts before breakfast and, and, and what have you. You know, we're, we're, we're the, we're the uh, Terence Malicks of the podcast uh, <laughs> business. So, yes, we are. I like that. I'll run with that one. Besides, it's, it's taken us 14 months to see all of Gregory Dark's films, to be honest. There is a lot of them. <laughs> it, it's been a welcome experience revisiting a lot of them. There's been a few first-time watches and stuff, but I was... My, the biggest excitement for me was realising how many of these things that I'd actually seen late at night on <laughs> Channel 5 when I really shouldn't have been watching Alone. Them. So, you know, it's been fun revisiting the likes of, what, Night Rhythms, Animal yeah, Instincts, yeah. things yeah. like that. So I'm genuinely excited that we're going to, that we're going to get a tear into the dark man's work. Yeah, because this is like the, the biggest segments of this series, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, you obviously... The pivotal stuff that we've had before, like body chemistry, night eyes, and all Jag Mundra's work, which in itself was a massive undertaking. Mm. But mm. for Greg Dark and Axis International, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to be, it's going to be a three episode kind of uh, thing, really, isn't it? Because yeah, that's yeah. how much time we need. Yeah, because obviously there's the voluminous stuff that Dark did mm. with mm. Axis, and then there's obviously the other Axis productions that yeah. they did when they were trying to bring in uh, other directors and other filmmakers into yes. the fold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this episode, um, so we're going to go back and, and look at Greg's sort of life before leading into Carnal Crimes and kind of drift through the first half of his filmography with, with Axis, mm-hmm. which seems like a simple way to do it. I mean, he's, he's had a crazy life. He is Hasn't one he? very, very interesting and strange and un- unusual, but very, very charismatic guy. Yeah, I, I mean... With every person that we, we spoke about, even on our, our last series, Natural Selection, everyone's quirky. Everyone has, has elements of their personality that mm. you're drawn to. 
and well, what they do. I mean, th th that, that's sort of the key aspect of, of them being unique individuals. But with Greg Dark, I just, I said to you before we came on air, I just find him really intimidating and really scary. Mm -hmm. Every time I hear him speak, every time I read, read, read an article, I find myself tensing up around the shoulders because he is just <laughs> one of those characters that he is he's fiercely intelligent um, and he's just incredibly artistic and it just feels, in, oh, just... Driven by art. I think that's the overriding message of these next two episodes focused exclusively on him, is that he is a man who is just driven by creativity, no matter what form he's working in, be it his hardcore work or these softcore films, and then even later things like that that great big glossy slasher film scene or evil yeah, that he yeah, did yeah. with the Lionsgate and WWE. Of and of course, as you said at the start, the music videos as well. There is so much thematic and visual overlap between everything he does. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is. He, he's intimidating because of who he seems to be as a person, but <laughs> because of how, as you say, how intelligent, how artistic, how driven and how creative he is. I think that all goes back to his, his teenage years. I mean, you've got a guy here who's like 14, 15, and he's reading Marquis de Sade, mm. which kind of is a giveaway about, you know... <laughs> what the kind of guy he turned into. Um, incredible backstory. You know, he, he influences cinematically. He references Radley Metzger mm. a lot, stuff like Camille 3000. Uh, he saw a lot of Jodorowsky. So you're thinking about El Topo and Holy Mountain. One name that comes up a lot is Roger Vadim. Mm. He says that this is the guy who was his hero as a, as a teenager. He joined bands before he went away to college. He was a drummer. He was a heroin user. He, he kind of went down that avenue because he felt it was romanticized through the literature he was reading. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, you can kind of understand that. But, I mean, with regard to his education, he he went to Chaplin University in Orange County for a year, and then he went to Stanford and studied fine art under um, Frank Lobdell, brilliantly thought of. Uh, but then, of course, Doc moved to New York, went to NYU, um, became interested in film, especially from a sort of surrealist point of view. And then when he graduated, he went to NBC uh, to work at NBC on documentary theme work um, before he ended up getting a job with Edward Pressman, uh, which took him back out to L.A. for about 18 months. Now, it was there that he met a guy called Richard Lerner, who was a diamond merchant. Uh, and along with uh, a woman called Wendy Apple, who was kind of a hardcore feminist who specialised in editing and that kind of thing, he started, um, well, kind of unintentionally started in the hardcore business by making the the documentary uh, Fallen Angels, which is mm. just a, a stunning piece of work. Fascinating watch. Fascinating. It revolves all around Jim South's model agency. Uh, we've written about Jim South a fair bit on the, on the, on the schlock pit because of his involvement in the Tracy Lord's um, situation. Um, and Jim South was such a unique character, as Dark says himself, he was like a Texas car salesman. <laughs> uh, where these girls used to go into his office and he'd, he'd explain quite frankly what was expected of them, and guys as well. And um, he said, you know, Jim South would say they'll either do one scene and quit, or they'll do one scene and be in it for three or four years. Fallen Angels came out, Dark didn't like it, because as I said, Apple was very much a feminist, and she had a, a determined thing to make sure that these girls were portrayed like 
you know, they were helpless victims. And Dark didn't agree with that. But at this time, Dark also thought, you know, I'm, I'm here watching all these porno films being made and they're not representing what's going on out there. They're all being made by 30, 40 year old men who have lost touch. I can do better than this. Mm -hmm. So he did. Um, he then began to make a, a slew of different porn films, possibly highlighted by maybe New Wave Hookers, which kind of was the birth of the alt porn. That's his movement. signature. It's a porn signature type porno, isn't it? Right. I mean, other stuff like let me tell you about white chicks. Let me tell you about black chicks. Mm. Obviously, the Devil and Miss Jones three and four um, are. They're the stronger and more porn yes. films, but New Wave Hookers was the, the lightning in a bottle. Yeah. sort of situation that start... was the one that it tapped into obviously the new wave trend mm -hmm. it had the whole punky new wave aesthetic and it was very very it was very very different to the sort of hardcore that was out there at the time in mm -hmm. terms of what was on show and in, in terms of its actual like the production design yeah. and the, the, the visual aesthetic of the movie without doubt I mean it just it revolutionised the thing Doc said that New Wave Hookers just sold so many units it was just insane because people hadn't seen anything like this before as we've discussed though I mean this this guy went from project to project and he seems like a guy that got bored very easily mm. so it wasn't long before the feature films kind of mm. uh, lured him in and first one was Dead Man Walking was it? yes it was which which now the other thing that you need there's that there's that much stuff about dark that it's hard to sort of filter the fact mm, from what's mm. maybe the myth making yeah. on his part. He says a lot of outlandish things throughout <laughs> his career, and you don't know how much of it he believes, yeah. how much of it's shock value, because even if you you know if you fast forward a little bit in time, and when you've got that wonderful interview with his. Axis, well, his former Axis mm -hmm. partners, Andrew mm -hmm. Garoni, and his longtime producing partner, Walter Gurnett. Yeah. Where the interview that they did with Linda Ruth Williams in her mm -hmm. book, The Erotic Thriller in Contemporary Cinema, yeah. they sort of say with a smile on their face <laughs> that Dark's interpretation of their joint filmmaking careers <laughs> within Axis and within, uh, because of course, Gurnett mm. was the other half of the infamous Dark Brothers. Of course. Which was. Greg Dark's hardcore brand when he was yeah, making yeah. all the skin flicks and stuff. It was him and Walter Gurnett. Greg mm -hmm. Dark, Walter Dark. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And they sort of, they fashioned themselves as these kind of white pimp characters. Yeah. And it was very cartoony and stylized when these, you know, really showy and ostentatious <laughs> outfits and sunglasses. The Dark Brothers was very, very much a brand. Mm -hmm. But that came from something that, Dark wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, Gurnett, by all accounts, he was just happy to write the checks and coast along for the ride and sort of mm -hmm. get movies made. Uh, now, Dark, by all accounts, he, yes, was getting bored of porn. He said it himself mm -hmm. in an interview with Psychotronic Video that after New Wave Hookers, he was starting to get a little bit burnt out with it. He just wasn't really interested. Yeah. Gurnett as well, he was wanting to maybe become a little bit more legitimate. Mm -hmm. Now, Gurnett's history is as equally fascinating. He rumours abound that at one time he was a fairly prolific drug dealer. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, yeah. Allegedly, yeah. cannot stress that enough. Um but his big claim to fame that he was in he was a shareholder with VCA Pictures, yeah. the big adult film producer Russ, and distributor. Um, Russ Hampshire, wasn't it? Russ Hampshire, yeah. Russ Hampshire hated dark. Yes. As, as do a lot of people, it well, seems, as we'll go through <laughs> it. But So Gurnett was in business with Hampshire, yeah. with VCA. Mm -hmm. They connected with Greg Dark. 
Gurnet and Dark become the Dark Brothers. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point, Gurnet uses the money that Hampshire buys him out of VCA with to right. set up a video outfit called Magnum. Of course. Magnum just began acquiring various titles. One of mm-hmm. the ones that always springs to mind for me is they distributed uh, John Ayres's Good Night, God Bless over right. in America. Mm-hmm. And loads of like cheap, grotty B-movies and things like that. And so they used a little bit of the cash from that to bankroll a legitimate film that mm. Dark and Gurnett wanted to make called, as you said, Dead Man Walking, this post-apocalyptic sci-fi thriller starring Wingshauser, Brian James and Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. A really cool, very interesting little movie, I think. It's really, really gritty, <laughs> really sort of mean-spirited and nasty, but it's got a great sense of humour to it and a great <laughs> sense of propulsion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, very much characterised by that really hard-edged style that Dark used in his pornos, you know, the mm, whole sort mm, of immersive, mm. everything's really in your face, oh, yeah. very, yeah. very grotty and lurid. That they managed to sell to Republic Pictures, which made them a fair bit of wedge, mm, mm-hmm. which they ploughed into another sci-fi picture, as was the trend at the time. You know, these yeah. movies were renting hand over fist. Mm-hmm. So Gurnet and Dark's second legitimate feature was the brilliant Street Asylum, which mm-hmm. again starred Wingshauser, and that's just a really, really great sci-fi thriller. In you know, it's it's part of this pocket of movies like uh, you know Predator Two, The mm. Taking of Beverly Hills, even something like Falling Down, whereby it sort of taps into the tensions brewing in LA in the days before the Rodney King riots. Mm-hmm. You know, just as as that whole pressure cooker of class and race and corruption was all starting to brew and that, they're the ingredients within the film because it's it, it's about corrupt police officers it's about corrupt mayoral officials and things like that it's just mm. got a sort of cool conspiracy thriller sci-fi twist to it as well mm-hmm. now that film Gurnet instead of going via Republic Pictures again or any other distributor they issued that through Gurnet's label Magnum right uh, and that did okay on cassette. It had a very, very limited run in a few, uh, you know, one or two nights only in a, a few city screens and things like that, primarily in the Los Angeles area. But what happened was Gurnett started noticing that the, ta- the viewing tastes were changing mm-hmm. and that sci-fi and horror weren't quite as popular mm. as they were. In the interim, Gurnett and Dark had hooked up with a fellow by the name of Andrew Garoni. Yeah. Uh, Garoni at the time, I think he was living in Gurnett's basement. That's right, yeah. Something like that, or, his, mm-hmm. or in his attic space or whatever. Yeah. And Garoni, he'd cut his teeth working with Bill Lustig. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the producers of Maniac, mm-hmm. one of the producers of Vigilante. And he was looking to get back into feature film production. So mm-hmm. according to Gurnett and Garoni, them two and Dark, they'd sit around Gurnett's house mm-hmm. talking about, we're going to make a movie. What what can we do? What you know? What's, what's the sort of thing that we can do now to make a little money and make an artistic statement? Mm-hmm. Sometime within then, a few things happened. One, Fatal Attraction was released. Yep. Two, Wild Orchid was released. Mm-hmm. Three, a little movie that we've talked about on here before called Night Eyes was released. Mm. And Gurnett and Garoni, that, that was their lightning in a bottle moment. <laughs> Let's make sexy thrillers. Yeah. And that's how it all started. Now, they've been, they, they've admitted that Night Eyes was one of the big, big 
sort of inspirations for them founding Axis Films International. Mm. Dark, of course, <laughs> being the kind of challenging and difficult cat that he is, yeah. he he's adamant, you know, that before uh, Jagmundra, before Zalman King, there was mm. Greg Dark, and that he's the great big pioneer of American director-video erotic well, thrillers. He, he, he states that, the, you know, going back, referring to the people we talked about earlier, Radley Metzger and Roger Vadim, he says these people were making films in the 70s, Mm. You know, there was French erotica, there was Danish erotica, but there's never any erotica made in America and there's none with a noirish thriller aspect. And that's the hole in the market that he wanted to corner. When her Beverly Hills mansion became a prison, Elise hid in a world of sexual fantasy, in a carnal world where anything could happen. No secret desire was forbidden. Starring Two Moon Junction's Martin Hewitt, and reform school girls Linda Carroll, Carnal Crimes. Let's speak about Axis for a second then. Let's hear about when they were formed. Mm-hmm. Let's hear about their MO. Let's hear about their budgets. Let's hear about their shooting schedule. What mm-hmm. did they want? So when Gurnet, Garoni and Dark reasoned the erotic thrillers, mm-hmm. sexy thrillers as they were called then, yeah. uh, when they thought that this, this is what we're going to be pursuing... They made Gurnett made an announcement in mm. Variety mm. that Magnum, his label Magnum Entertainment, that they were going to, instead of just acquiring yeah. these films, they were going to move into production themselves. Uh, and that was, of course, was the big thing that sweetened Garoni in on the deal. Mm. So he announced in Variety in, in early 1991 the formation of Axis Films International. Mm. They were going to make a slate of eight pictures straight off the bat and they were hoping that a steady cash flow would start coming in after the first four yeah. which presumably means that they'll make the first four pictures and then selling them around the world domestically yada 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 that's where they're going to get the money for the next wave of titles the remaining four in this proposed slate mm-hmm. uh, the plan was each movie was going to be budgeted between four hundred thousand and five hundred thousand dollars and they'd all have a 15-day or thereabouts shooting schedule. Right. To that end, they pulled out a script that Dark claims mm-hmm. he'd been developing right. as early as 1989, and that script was Carnal Crimes, which was made, and that is the first Axis Films erotic thriller and the first Gregory Dark-directed erotic thriller. Mm. What do you think of it? I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I I do think... I always like watching a, an auteur's first stab at something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. I think, especially after the fact, it's, it's, it's really interesting seeing all the kind of embryonic stuff in there. Now, Dark had a sort of head start insofar as... He'd explored a lot of these themes within his hardcore movies. Mm-hmm, mm. He'd also explored certain other themes within Dead Man Walking and Street Asylum. Sure. You know, there's, as we go on, you'll probably notice that the two things you can say about a dark erotic thriller mm. is that 
One, they're always about a bored housewife. <laughs> Dark himself even said that, you know, when Psychotronic Video brought carnal crimes up to him in, in their 1997 interview, he yeah. actually just jokingly refers to it as his first bored housewife movie. <laughs> but then the second theme that does always come up is duality. Oh, yeah, and the yeah. idea of light and shade mm, and of people mm. having two different parts to their makeup. Yeah. Now, as Dark CV trundles along that becomes very very literal in yeah. things like mirror images mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. animal instincts and things like that yeah. and the, the you know the other mirror images about mirror images too mm-hmm. which also features twins and things so that becomes very literal there but it's also he's flirted with it metaphorically throughout his pornos and so, if, you know, you've got the dual narratives of new wave hookers, which is, yeah. a, you know, fantasy and reality. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then, of course, you've got life and death within the devil in Correct. Miss Jones 3 and 4 and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, and it's nice seeing it in a kind of embryonic form here, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can even take, you know, you can even extend that embryonic thing to things like his use of, his use of the camera, his mm-hmm. use of colour. His mm-hmm. use of music, um, his use of very mannered and stylized performances, and very mannered and stylized costumes and production design. Yeah, yeah. All the ingredients are here. They're not fully formed. It's no, not no, no, completely no, no. cooked. But this is a good start. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. You, you kind of do do a double take when that first scene pops on the screen. You got the soft focus fireplace pre-credit scene mm-hmm. and you're checking the box to think did Greg Dog actually make a soft focus fireplace opening you know, <laughs> pre-credit scene because it's, it's not him but as soon as that opening credit scene starts I mean how mm. gorgeously artistic is that it, it's absolutely beautiful I, I'd be surprised if he didn't take the phot- photography in that opening credit sequence for those wanting to know what it's about you've got Elise played by Linda Carroll who is a bored and unsatisfied housewife. Of course. Uh, her husband has gone off the idea of sex. Her husband also looks unbelievably like Rich from 88 Films. Uh, and I find it very difficult. <laughs> Honestly, check it out. Yeah, it's freaky. And so she decides, um, you know, she's bored, unsatisfied, and has an unhealthy predilection for public masturbation. So she meets mysterious photography Remy and has a passionate affair but is he a slayer of women i find that remy played by brilliantly by martin hewitt who's got a feature several times in this episode is almost an embodiment of dark mm. kind of this 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 crazy arty type studio yeah. photography he's definitely he's a dark avatar he is isn't he you know yeah. even right down to his fashion choices he's got that whole punk rock sort of look mm. and, and again that's that's another I'm guessing based upon how Dark presents himself in interviews and how he dresses and things like that, mm-hmm. one, that's something that interests him, but uh, two, that's also another one of his themes. He is fascinated by the punk and underground subculture, yeah. and that's something that comes trickling through. Rennie, Rennie is very much that, unshaven, he got the mullet, got the earring, and he's such, as you say, the duality. Yeah. But it's, it's complete opposite to Stanley, who's this older, uptight, overweight, you know, fiscally obsessed... Mm. character that, that, mm. that just is, is, is obsessed with work and of course um, collating uh, copies of uh, dominatrix Mm-mm. magazines um, what I do enjoy about carnal crimes is that I like the way it's pitched 
on the edge of hysteria. Mm. Um, it's very much along the same lines as the aforementioned Street Asylum in terms of uh, tone and mood. It's very, very broad. Mm-hmm. Really, I'd say even overly humorous, and I'd say even edges towards camp <laughs> at times. You know, the performances, they're very kitschy. Uh, they, they're not winky, they don't sort of mug at the camera or anything like that, but they are very outlandish and very, very over the top, and I would say that's a, a deliberate choice. Mm. Because, you know, like I, I think a lot of reviews, I mean, I say a lot, you know, more, more of those who've bothered to review it <laughs> because it didn't really get much in the way of notices at the time or now. Mm-hmm. Um, but those who have bothered to watch Carnal Crimes, I don't think that they understand that it's not a serious movie in the slightest it is a romp mm-hmm. and it's almost done as a kind of sexy stream of consciousness joke if that makes sense yeah 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 you, you have got that aspect to it really i find it although it's obviously an access film it doesn't sit snugly with, with the others mm. it is almost an outlier yeah and you can see like elements that will find stronger mm. as you said i before. mean it is it's where it is in his CV. It's the meeting point yeah. between the insanity of Street Asylum mm-hmm. and the classier, more refined um, manner of you know mirror images mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting from a, a visual sense, like the, the film, it, it's shot by Paul Desatoff, with whom mm-hmm. Dark worked with on Dead Man Walking and yeah. Street uh, uh, and Street Asylum, but Desatoff he also shot. Uh, he shoots mirror images as yeah, well next. Yeah, yeah. And Carnal Crimes, it sort of, it continues the more formal, the sort of less ragged and rough and ready approach mm. of Dead Man Walking. And it has the same sort of, like Street Asylum, you could sort of see he was playing more with the formalities of how a stage is shot, mm-hmm. which is something he almost completely disregarded in his hardcore work. <laughs> mm. You know, they're a very like, uh, you know, verite. I believe mm-hmm. the word would be almost. Um, and what's cool about Carnal Crimes is that you can see it's the early traces of this more poetic and elegant side of Dark's style, mm-hmm. even though the film is, as we've said, broad and outrageous. Um, that sort of poetic aspect, though, I think, it, it's, it's, very, it's very evident in the way in which the camera just glides around the place. You know, most noticeably in uh, the lead character in Elise's first sexual fantasy. That's a really dreamy and Mm -hmm, lovely. mm -hmm. And that, again, is something that Dark would go on to do more and more throughout his career, starting to experiment more with the the whole fabric and feel of dreams and how they can impact upon Mm. the general narrative of a movie. Yeah, but a lot of the straightforward sequences do have a dreamlike quality. Mm. There's a beautiful Mm. sequence when um, Stanley is in his office working and Elise comes out of her bedroom and she's backlit. There's, there's, there's a bit of smoke, a bit of dry ice. Mm. She's wearing this white, completely see-through negligee. And it's almost, it's almost like a pop promo. Um, it does have this otherworldly thing to it. And it's quite beautiful. You know, it's mm. quite, uh, it, it's, it's visually, it, it's, it's, it's something else, which, uh, which is brilliant. How do you think, um, Martin Hewitt, I wasn't familiar with Martin Hewitt prior to it. Um, and I don't think this is his, his best film of the three. I think he's better in a, a couple of other films later on. Um, but he's all right. 
Was it three? No, he's he's a, I think he's in about four. Four, he's, yeah. He's in four, Dark right, movies. right, right. Yeah. Um, but Dark obviously he, he, liked him, even though yeah, he, he said he had a had a had a, had a um, issue with his penis. Uh, you know, Hewitt. Hewitt, I, 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 I like him in Alien Predators, the Darren uh, Serafian yeah, film. Yeah. He's great. I think he's great in that, and he also pops up in Zalman King's Two Moon Junction. Of course, he does. Yeah, yeah. but. In terms of his work with Dark, which extends to this, Secret mm-hmm. Games, Night Rhythms, and Secret Games 2, The Escort, yeah. this is by far the weakest one yeah. mm-hmm. out of them all. Because again, I imagine it's just a case of him and Dark trying to find a working relationship together. Mm-hmm. And obviously they are, there is a certain sense that they're hamstrung by the material, you know, the script by John Robert Samsel, um, who'd go on to co-script Animal Instincts. Uh, he previously served as a casting director on a pair of Fairly interesting horror flicks as well. Yeah. I guess, and had grandmother's house office, and, the, yeah. and, and the runestone, but you know they're, they're sort of let down by the it, the material is that broad, but it's not an actor's showcase. It's more it's pantomime mm, rather than mm, drama. Mm. And how about Linda Carroll? Because obviously Dark had Dark very much had his muses. Mm. You know, obviously Delia Shepherd, which we'll get to in the next section, and um, and Shannon Wherry uh, in, in the latter films. But how do you think Linda Carroll fared? Because it seems strange that they wouldn't work together again. Yeah, um, strange is the operative word, funnily mm. enough, because Dark cast her after he was struck by what he described as her strange energy. Right. You know, he was quite candid about the fact that you know she's not the greatest actress, but she's got like an attitude and a sort of vibe that he thought would work mm. for carnal crimes, which at the time was called love crimes, by the way. It was developed as love crimes, yes, but because was. of yeah, the... Yeah. Uh, the similar, the similarly named Sean Young vehicle, Love Crimes. They had to change. They, they, Gurness and Garoni wanted to change the title so they wouldn't get sued, which is especially interesting when you consider that the Sean Young Love Crimes actually has a, a few mm. things in common. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. carnal crimes. Anyway, digress. But struck by a strange energy, uh, and he reasoned that it translates to the screen, but it didn't. Apparently, she was an absolute fucking nuisance well she's a very she's a very strange character she was uh, she's from boston uh, she was desperate to be a star she started working in beauty pageants at the age of 14 winning miss solar energy mm. uh miss teen massachusetts and miss teen new england then a national pageant earned her an audition in new york before director franco zeffirelli for one of his films which film endless love Lead actor, Martin Hewitt. No way. No way. And she didn't get the role. But Sharon Stone auditioned for that. She didn't get the role either. Anyway, so back she came to Boston. She started going out with a mobster from the New England Mafia, a guy called Dennis Lepore. Dennis Lepore met met her when she was 18 in 1982. Absolutely fell head over heels. Lepore was like a... A typical kind of wannabe Corleone. Mm, mm. He'd go into a restaurant in Boston, order two hundred bottles of a two hundred dollar bottle of you know champagne, pig champagne. Uh, his nickname for her was Harlow because of her um, you know obviously likeness to Jean Harlow. Oh, the, yes, the, the of course, yes. And she called him Napoleon because he was five foot seven <laughs> and had a classic Roman nose. So she's gone out with this guy who who is really entrenched in the new in the new england mafia uh and she's dreaming of becoming an actress so he bought her a ticket to los angeles and then eventually followed her out there with a couple of his heavies 
um, trying to schmooze, um, you know, people in L.A. like Robert Davey. Yeah, yeah. And people are trying to wine and dine them. Uh, but naturally, of course, you know, all, all she pretty much got was um, the lead role in um, Thingy's film, Reform School Girls, Tom DeSimone's mm. film, Reform School Girls. And he wasn't wasn't that happy with that. Um, yeah, she got distracted with the novelties of the coast, the beach scene, the surfer boys, the would-be sugar daddies promising a new lot, a new blonde leg up. She loafed, she went broke, she tried working as a maid. Uh, but whenever she was in a jam, she called Lepore, and he'd send money and advice to keep on trying. But yeah, and that was it. And eventually Lepore got sent down because he was involved in an FBI sting. Um, wow. But yeah, she's, what, what a history, what a history. And I'm, I don't know what she went back to. I don't know why she went back to Boston after her brief film career. Mm. But um, a crazy life. And um, a fleeting chapter in Greg Dark's uh, first movie. So Carnal Crimes was shot in February 1991, just a few weeks after New Wave Hookers 2, mm-hmm. played in X theatres in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, it debuted on pay-per-view in the United States on the 1st of September 1991. Warner Home Theatre, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And then it slipped into rotation on Cinemax mm-hmm. in March 1992. Uh, it was released on video in the US by Gurnett's Magnum Entertainment, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it was the last catalogued number in the Magnum library. Oh, really? So, essentially, I'd, and considering that Magnum folded... In 1992, I'd, I'd I'd probably say it's their last release. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt, some smart ass will probably come in and try and contradict <laughs> that and stuff. But honestly, that's the best that I can find for release information on their mistakes. Mm. Uh, now, here's the really weird thing about Carnal Crimes. Mm. It was released on UK video via Medusa slash Columbia TriStar when they had like a sort of little yeah. handshake agreement between themselves in June 1992. Mm-hmm. Medusa, they'd previously released Dark and Gurnett's Street Asylum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Carnal Crimes, it landed on the same... UK release date as Dead On Relentless 2, incidentally. Very I just cool. wanted to put that in there. Uh, <laughs> On the record. But, but here, the strange, strange thing is that the art that Medusa slash Columbia TriStar used for Carnal Crimes, yeah. it was actually the key art for Axis's later erotic, The Pamela Principle. Right. Um, and because of that, in a stranger twist, the artwork <laughs> that would go on to adorn the UK release of The Pamela Principle would in fact, be the artwork for the US release of Dark and Axis's <laughs> Secret Games. Right, How okay. fucking confusing That's is trippy. that? That's trippy. Um, worth pointing out also that the Connell Crimes was issued in both an R-rated version and an unrated version, mm-hmm. as every Axis release would go on to do. So, now you've had your first lover. Is that as far as you want to go? What do you mean? You've gone this far. Why not keep going? So film two, mirror images, and we have a beautiful woman who's desperate to get away from her boring life and uncommunicative husband. Stop me if you heard this before. (laughs) Before we go any further, I just want to preface this Hmm. by saying that I am 
an absolute sucker for films about twins. <laughs> I mean, like... Legitimate films oh, right, about yeah, twins. Yeah. Legitimate <laughs> films, yeah. From Cronenberg to mm, DeVito mm. and Schwarzenegger and even Jean-Claude Van Damme. Good Lord. Any film, any genre... Mm. If it's twin-based, I will watch it. I don't know why. It's clearly just some weird viewing quirk that I seem to have, like any film about robots or dinosaurs or prisons. I'm also a massive, massive sucker for anything, anything involving Delia Shepard. And when he's in full-focused acting mode, like he is here, Mm -hmm. Jeff Conaway... (laughs) Uh, and you know, mirror images. It's even got the mighty Julie Strain, who Indeed. was who also popped up in Carnal Crime. Yeah. But she's in this too. And on the whole, mirror images is just a wonderful movie. Um, the actual production of it, it, it started because, well, maybe the actual development of the script by George Diasientes, uh, who'd go on to script several movies for Axis and Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but the development, it started because Dark, he was interested in that theme of duality, yeah, of yeah. light and shade. And as we've said, he kind of flirted with it a little bit in Carnal Crimes. He kind of flirted mm-hmm. with it in several of his pornos. Yeah. But with Mirror Images and most of the films he made after Mirror Images that's when it became one of his big go-to themes yeah I mean here it's so apparent I mean one of my favourite aspects of the duality in this film is the contrast in the living arrangements Mm. obviously you have Caitlin um, virginal white bed linen virginal white clothing Mm. virginal white underwear and then you have the red-tinted promiscuity of Shauna. It's the complete opposite in colour. Everything she wears, mm-hmm. the whole decor of where she lives, everything is that chaotic red, black, dark. And it's that yeah. black and white. However, Go the on. clue is that... So obviously, Caitlin and Shauna are both played brilliantly, yes. I hasten to add, brilliantly by Delia Shepard. Mm-hmm. But these two twins, even though Caitlin's this sort of maybe not pure, but sort of repressed housewife type. Mm. She's got fiery red hair, and that's Mm, the indicator mm, mm. that she's got a wild side (laughs) underneath. She just needs something to sort of tap into it and get it out of her, which she does by um, when Shauna leaves town for a few days, Caitlin goes to her flat thinking that there's something wrong Mm, and mm. then ends up dressing like her and taking on her wild child personality as a way to sort of um, spice up her marriage, mm, mm, which is mm. at this point is very, very sexless and very, very dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, you have said it. I mean, the, the key to this film is Delia Shepard, uh, kind of a, a Danish beauty who danced with the Danish royal ballet. Uh, she went on to model for Karl Lagerfeld. She was the principal dancer and a showgirl at Lido in Paris before making the cover of Penthouse. In 1985, is she the only actress to have done that quartet of Fred Olin Ray, Jim Wynorski, Gary Graver and Greg Dark? Yeah. Maybe Julie Strain? Has... Yeah, Ju- Julie Strain, though, was more of a... She's more of a journeyman mm, in mm. Dark's movies. Delia Shepard, for a, un, until Shannon Weary mm, sort of mm. took the crown, Delia Shepard came across like Dark's muse. Yeah. And then for a time she was... A sort of muse-like figure 
to Fred Oldenray mm-hmm. and Wynorski yeah, and stuff yeah. as well. She was moving in the same circles as them. Um, here, the two roles that she has, Shauna, uh, sorry, Caitlin, mm. the housewife, and wild child Shauna, yeah. she's... Oh, they're two very distinctive and two very, very different performances, and she's wholly believable in both of them. I just think she's a fabulous, fabulous actress. And, you know, if you want more proof, see Fred Oldenray's Haunting for you. See mm-hmm. Jim Wynorski's mm-hmm. Sins of Desire. See yeah. Gary Graver's Roots of Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, though, Mirror Images, this pair of powerhouse performances, this is probably her best dramatic work. And, yeah, you know... Let's be honest, she's hot as fuck too. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely delicious to look at. And on a purely oogling level, I don't think there's anything better than Delia Shepard sauntering around in a G-string. <laughs> you know? I mean, you mentioned Desacientes before. I, th- I think here she is bolstered by a script with some bite. Yeah. Because, you know, I said on my notes here, you know, sex, politics, and murder. Mm. It's just the perfect combination. Because here we've got this... This uh, millionaire owner of Pacific Airlines, the very Trumpian character of Carter Sales, played by Richard Abellino, um, sketchy character who's tight with her husband, uh, Jeffrey. You've got m- deeper characters. You've got a broader palette yeah, of cal- yeah. characters as composed of Colonel Crams, who are, th- th- there's some edge to them, but here... You can really sink your teeth into yeah. it. Yeah, like, t- to me, the touchstones of the film, like, I, I liken Mirror Images to, it, it's the man in the iron mask meets crimes of passion. Ooh, I like You know, that. that's how I, that's, that's the route that yeah. I'd go. Because the, you know, there's, there's, as you said, there's several things going on. Because what the, the reason that the wild child, Shauna, flees is mm. because she's actually become the target of this deranged stalker. Mm-hmm. who wears this sort of weird kabuki kind of <laughs> Japanese mask and then it turns out that this weird powder and smoke that he's using to render all these women into their powerless state, it's actually yeah. heroin in like, mm-hmm. you know, opiate form or what have you. But there's this real fascinating dual arc to the character of Caitlin, the housewife. Uh, One, the film's about her sexual awakening slash discovering her desires again slash surrendering them. Mm. And two, it's about her discovering her own inner strength and resourcefulness. Mm. Um, And I think that both aspects, they're they're very nicely written by Desesientes and they're just beautifully portrayed by Shepard and the supporting cast. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and it's a good supporting cast as well. It's one thing, you know, if you were to draw a chart, you would see a kind of a line going up until maybe his fifth or sixth film where he peaked with his supporting cast. But here you can see the ensemble growing with people like Jeff Conaway, uh, with people like Julie Strain, with George Buckflower appearing mm. briefly. And As a course, rear-band sporting landlord. <laughs> and, of course, Leanne Beeman, who we, we spoke about a lot in the last episode, mm. uh, who featured in a, a number of Jag Mundra films, namely Irresistible Impulse with, with uh, Doug Jeffrey. Uh, and she's great, yeah. And she, other woman as well, another Axis yeah, production, which yeah, is which yeah. is a, a solid Moondra joint. Mm-hmm. Um, Mirror Images, it's Dark's final team up with his then long time cinematographer, yeah. Paul uh, Paul Desatoff, and just what a way to cap off their union. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. looking film. Um, again, I think we've said already, but Dark he's always been a very image conscious 
director. Mm. But this, this is his first big visual showpiece. Mm. It's a very, very slick film, very polished, very opulent. Um, some of the deep focus shots that pop up in this, they're just absolutely luxurious. And and the lighting, this part noir, part spectral. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Carnal Crimes, there's some great, great uses of colour. Mm. You know, like I, I, you mentioned it earlier, I, I, I really do enjoy the, the, the contrast between the sterile white and these vivid splashes of red. Mm. I've been about colour. There's, there's an interracial sequence. Mm. And that's just that's just not seen, and 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 majority of softcore movies of this era. I mean, I guess Dark was one of the few to push that boundary when he was doing hardcore. Mm. You know, you look yeah, at yeah. a film like let's talk about Black Chicks, I think it was, where you've got that sequence of the black girl having sex with two hundred members of the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. Dark was often. Keen on pushing the boundary towards racial stereotypes, yeah, yeah. And, and here again, even though it's a throwaway scene, it's still important to see that mm. that contrast and that that combination where, you know, most directors would would pretty much uh, opt for the safe bets of Middle America mm. and and um, the rental um, money of rental Middle America by not doing that because I, I'm sure it would have made if it had been done for a. A bigger distributor, I'm sure they would have been uneasy. Oh, would have been, yeah. I mean, look, there was uproar in what, what Angel Heart, mm. where Mickey Rock, of course, yeah, uh, has interracial sex. Obviously, the fact they're both soaked in 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 blood that probably didn't, <laughs> you know, that added to the to yeah. the moral outrage of the mm-hmm. Christian right. But yeah, um, but also, you know, it, it might sound a little bit distasteful saying such a thing, but with with Dark being such um, an aesthetically oriented director, mm. it links back to. You know, is it, I think it's the other, it's Mundra's axis flick, the other woman where I think there's an interracial scene in there and it, that was always something where Mundra said that he wanted to put different textures because mm. one of the things that axis were very, very keen on, every film they make had to have a lesbian scene. <laughs> you know, and Mundra had said that when he was making the other woman for them, that if he was going to do a lesbian scene, he at least wanted to play with like the textures of skin colour. Mm, and things like mm, that mm. and I can imagine that Dark was very much infused by that yeah, as well yeah. it gives you know it, it, it's a greater palette for him to play with as well as you know linking with the fact that he's this great provocateur who's all about breaking taboos and pushing boundaries mm, and mm. stuff keeping with the visual stuff and again we've mentioned it already with, with the dreamy stuff in Carnal Crimes there's a lot of dreamy dream infused sequences here lots of dry ice Dutch angles, swaying, hypnotic movements again, but just you know, just to underline, uh, just to underline in case it got lost before, but this is his most formalistic looking picture. This mm, is the sort of mm. style he'd be playing with from this yeah. point on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it started shooting nine weeks after Carnal Crimes began its shoot um, in LA, as always, and came to VHS. In the US on March the 12th, 1992, although interestingly, in the UK, it actually hit rental stores a month before his first film, Carnal Crimes, coming to tape on February the 17th. In America, it appeared on tape the same day as Child's Play 3 and Demonic Toys, eventually appearing on pay-per-view on Saturday, May the 2nd, 1992. I have a friend named Celeste. She lives in Beverly Hills. 
She has some very interesting, rich friends. She introduces them to us, and we make $1,000 an hour each. You mean you do it with men that you don't even know? Total strangers? They're not strangers. They're millionaires. <laughs> yeah, but what does that make you? Very, very happy. Secret Games is next on the agenda, and is it right in calling this a three-star masterpiece? Yes, I'd say so. And to sort of quantify that is that it's a good film, far from a great one, Mm. but the lasting impact that it has had on erotic thrillerdom is is really quite something. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the strange thing with Secret Games is that Obviously, it span off to a franchise of mm. its own. We got two more sequels, both yeah. of which directed by Dark. It was massively, massively successful right. uh, when it hit tape. It was released on US video by Imperial Entertainment, who, like Academy Entertainment, who released Mirror Images, they would become a frequent peddler of mm. Axis's wares in America. <laughs> um, but... It was released by Imperial on the 13th of May 1992 and within a few months of release it shifted a whopping 25,000 copies <laughs> in the US alone at 89.95 a pop. <laughs> you know, considering yeah. this thing was made for yeah. half a million dollars, the fact that it Jesus. went on to gross 2 million dollars within the first few months before yeah. pay-per-view sales, <laughs> before cable TV mm. sales, before international sales. It was in as far you know, Gurnett and Garoni said it was a monster hit mm, for them. Mm. Now, the weirder thing is that the ad campaign, yeah, that Axis mounted, it was very, very similar to the ad campaign of a Fred Olin Ray movie called Inner Sanctum, which was produced by Vision International, who of course had had like a hand. In the, in the sort of director video erotic thrillers mm-hmm. development, not only with Inner Sanctum, but in, in terms of they were the producers of the big ones of Wild Orchid mm-hmm. of nine and a half weeks yeah. and stuff. You know, they, they, they helped sort of galvanize the formula on a bigger scale that the director video erotics would go on to use. Now, the artwork very similar to Inner Sanctum and it led Vision. Uh, international to sue Axis. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Um, now I'm not sure what the outcome of the mm-hmm. case was. I, 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 to this day, I can't find any further information mm. about it. But the fact is, the artwork that still adorns Secret Games to this day is still very similar looking mm. to Inner Sanctum. Groney loves this film, doesn't he? Groney yes. yeah. said in, in an interview with, with Linda Ruth Williams that I would make this film, and I did make this film, over and over again. You know, which, which is which is fair enough. You know, I could watch that film just with a different fix over and over again. Um, and it's, it's clear that it was quite the kink for the um, for, for the access yeah, guys yeah, for, for for Garoni especially. And, and also, so. it, it, it you know it's it's an it's an irresistible setup. Oh, it is an irresistible formula. You know, oh, we're in bored housewife territory. Funnily, funnily enough, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that it is. But yes, it is repressed. Let's use repressed instead. Yes. Repressed marriage. out. To, to Mark, uh, played by Billy Drago, who we'll, we'll come to a little bit later. And she turns to the, uh, I love this, the afternoon de Mittas. 
an exclusive brothel where women are paid for fulfilling their innermost fantasies. It's a, it's a beautiful idea. Mm. It's a beautiful idea. Just at this this house, and you got Delia Shepard there playing Celeste, who's the the madam. The girls are the making sage like madam, a very madam. world sort of weary and sort of you yeah. know, like a guru esque performance. It's another it's another winning turn from yeah. Shepard. That's what she's one definitely one of the film's strongest suits. She, I mean, she lured in with the knowledge that the girls can pull in a thousand dollars an hour. Mm. I mean, it, it's it's uh, from her board rather mundane life with with, with husband um, uh, Mark, it, it's, I mean, you can see, you can see why a board housewife of Beverly Hills would want to do this. Mm. And why not? Mm. Uh, and then, of course, she's introduced to um, the intriguing Eric, played again by Martin Hewitt, who pushes her beyond her sexual limits into a dark world of obsessive dominance. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the great thing. The tagline for the film was, take a ride to the dark side of desire, mm. which I kind of mm. like. Cause, again, it's got a duality to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. It is the yeah. dark side of desire, but then again, it is the dark side of desire, which is uh, which is very cool indeed. Um, no, it, it's, a, it's a great setup, but you're right, I agree with you on this. It's a three-star film. I like elements to it, um, but, you know, we, we mentioned it, before Billy Drago just doesn't quite cut Yeah, it. I... there's... Well, the, the, the problems with the movie rest upon Drago's performance mm-hmm. as the Julianne character's husband. Yeah. Michelle Brin's performance as yeah. Julianne. Um, and the fact that... You know, if, if I was to give an overall impression mm. of Secret Games, it's like the sex... Which you know it, it features such sites as a sexy nun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got you know fucking Monique Parent, mm-hmm. one of the queens of softcore in her yeah. first softcore Debut. role, no less. Yeah. So you know this is a very important. Her little scene is a very important piece of mm. the softcore erotica puzzle because yes. this was the start of it for her. You know, she'd go on to appear in films by Wynorski, Ray, mm. uh, just a multitude of wonderful sort of pulp noir sexy thrillers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sex in Secret Games, it's all good, mm. it's all nicely done, mm-hmm. but there's nothing in terms of bonk-wise, <laughs> you know, that I would say is overly standout. And that's Secret Games in a nutshell to me. It's a good film, but somewhere short of being an excellent one. It's got a nice and seductive vibe, looks lovely, um, but there's just a few too many problems with it and I think that coming off the back of the brilliant mirror images mm. and then coming in right before night rhythms uh, and animal instincts and body of influence that that doesn't help either it's definitely the weakest link of darks like big four big five however you want to term it but yeah with, with regard to Drago first Drago <sighs> I, I love Billy Drago. Oh, he's literally not. yeah, like what mm. you know, you know, one of my favourite actors, mm. and I'll watch anything that he's in. Yeah. But he's such just such an intense and mm-hmm. reptilian presence, <laughs> and he's just wrong in this straight, boring husband part. Like yeah. he plays Mark as if he's playing one of the other sort of creepy roles that he's best <laughs> known for. Mm. And to be honest, he should have Drago should have played the part that Hewitt got. That's true, yeah. Because he's substantially scarier than Hewitt's stalker is meant to be. Yeah. 
Because in, in, in his weighty CV, this was his sole erotic thriller. If well, unless you count Mirror Mirror um, Mirror Mirror Three and Four. Yeah, which of course he appeared in with Monique Parent. Correct. Oh, so. um, but but that was pretty much it. I mean, there are elements elements to it. This I really do like. I mean, one of the themes that through all the Axis films are, are, are videotapes or video footage or watching in a voyeuristic manner through a monitor a TV. Because mm, like mm. In, 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 in Mirror Images, you've got the sex tape. In Secret Games, you've got Shepard being this rather voyeuristic madam who's glued to a portable TV watching her clients have sex. Mm. Uh, I like this voyeuristic element to all of Dark's mm. films. Again, mm. it's, it's one of his kinks. It's one of his things that he really likes. So I also like, like similarly with the last film we discussed, uh, Dark trying to flip conventions. And, and here we do have another convention flipped where in Carnal Crimes, we had the very uh, staid and unsurprising thing of um, the husband having his copies of Forceful magazine stashed in his desk. Mm, but mm. here, you know, Julianne, has copies of New Man magazine stashed in the underwear drawer, yeah, which is a yeah, nice yeah. flip to convention. Yeah, that, that that's very cool. I'll, I'll, I'll give it, and, and also I do think this is a good point to draw attention to the costumes mm. by mm, mm. Dark slash Axis regulars Lothar and Ricardo Delgado. Yeah, um, and they are they're insanely important to the style of Dark slash Axis's movies. Mm-hmm. Um, they started their union with Axis and Dark on Carnal Crimes, and Del, uh, Ricardo Delgado, he would later go on to work for John Ayres slash EGM right. on their sci-fi flicks, Time Lock, uh, The Apocalypse and Dark Planet, which are also very, very stylized pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, uh, in Secret Games, there is, there is a great look yeah. to each mm-hmm. character, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, from their sort of you know regular day-to-day outfits to um, the negligee and sort of skimpier stuff that, they, that they're wearing while they're entertaining. Mm. Um, it's a very design-driven film in general. Mm. Tonally uh, and in Mountain, you know, you've got Drago's character, he's actually an architect. Mm. And then you've got things like the actual shape and texture of a scene and then these swanky mansions that the film sort of unfolds against and all these sort of other like lush looking you know it's a film about wealth and about the yeah, boredom yeah, that yeah, comes yeah, with being yeah. rich and and you know the the photography uh, which was it was done by two people it um, was wasn't it Thomas F. Denove and a Corman acolyte turned future Academy Award winner, who mm. you all might have heard of, by the name of Wally Fister, who from this point on would pretty much go on to become Dark's, you know, well, well before he was Christopher Nolan's preferred cinematographer, <laughs> Wally Fister was the go-to man for Gregory Dark. First of eight, wasn't it? First mm-hmm. of eight films. And, you know, Dark's remit to him seemed to be a bel de jour crossed with Emmanuel. Yes. You can kind of see it. Um... But it's close, but 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 no cigar. Um, quick word on the great catcher Sassoon, daughter of Vidal Sassoon, sister of Oli Sassoon, the, the common director who sadly died in 2002. She was a great actress. She was, yes, and very much much missed. A very tragic mm. early death for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Um, great here as well, actually. Really fun, sexy, plucky. You know, she had good presence and that, and you know, it, it is sad that she never sort of, 
whatever demons that she had put her away ultimately Nick West holds a special power any calls waiting? yeah only about 20 he knows just what to say this is Nick West talk to me Linda his words seduce kiss you Nick I want you to make love to me his words dance to the sounds of night rhythms so for the next 15 minutes or so we're going to be slipping into our sultry night rhythms mode i'm nailing that right that was good that's I'm going to have to go for a cold shower. <laughs> <laughs> That's my best Martin Hewitt oh. in Night Rhythms impression. That's incredible. Obviously, I don't smoke indoors. So, you know, <laughs> and based upon the amount of cigarette smoke in this bit, he yeah. is hotboxing that fucking room, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I, I really want to say from the outset, I love Night Rhythms. Yeah. This is a five-star erotic thriller masterpiece as far as I'm concerned I adore this movie and it makes me grin from ear to ear every time I watch it we should just cut there really shouldn't we there's nothing else to say about this no but I read a great review from our friend Mike Mayo in the Roanoke Times and in this review he said the Greg Dark McZalman King looked like Walt Disney and perhaps this is the film that exemplifies that it's just absolutely wonderful from the first minute on it, it, it's, it's brilliant this is peak Dark. If, yes. you, if, you, if you take these 14 films we're going to discuss this episode and next, mm. and you mm. only have to choose three, then this is one of the three. Yeah. I, I you know, from, there's two things right from the outset mm-hmm. that we have to have to tip the hat to. Yeah. There's the mysterious, yet very, very waggish, Score oh. by Ashley Irwin, who he'd been in the yeah. Axis Fold since Mirror yeah. Images um, as an auxiliary composer, and from this point on, he'd essentially be the centre of their in-house music department, mm-hmm. along with uh, Joseph Smith, who'd scored the last couple of Dark movies. But Irwin, he he captures Night Rhythm's dynamic, this whole sexy, thrilling, quirky, and often very, very funny mm. thing, uh, perfectly. Yeah. Um, we need to give a shout out to Dark's longtime editor James Avalon, mm-hmm. who cut the film under his Kent Smith pseudonym. Yeah. Um. Now he cut pretty much every Dark production between New Wave Hookers Two and Dark's late nineties transformation into a music video director. Mm. And this film, this is Avalon's crowning editorial achievement in that respect. It's exquisitely structured mm-hmm. uh, and paced, and that's obvious right right from the title sequence. But sticking with Avalon for a second, it, you know, it is important to note that he is, of course, an award-winning triple X filmmaker himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Dark, he's one of the greats of adult entertainment, and uh, if memory serves, I think he may be. He wrote and or produced one or two of Dark's right, okay. Triple X flicks. I think the, the, no, the Crease Master. Think. Right, okay, yeah. Did. Um, yeah. But the big thing here, the score, the cutting, the intro to Night Rhythms is utterly, <laughs> utterly iconic from this title sequence in that classic Dark yeah. style. You know, oh. he's, he's gotten, at this point, 
a Gregory Dark title sequence. It's like a fucking <laughs> James Bond film. Yeah. And stuff. You know, that's, that's how they are, that whole mm. sort of... They're, they're a showpiece in and of themselves. <laughs> uh, and then you go straight into this first proper scene where yeah. you've got, you know... It's the setup to the plot, isn't it? Yeah. You've got the late-night radio host, this radical chain-smoking sex therapist called mm. Nick, played by dark mainstay Martin Hewitt in his finest performance. Yeah. Uh, he gets one of his callers, who is played by Julie Strain, yeah. no less. Uh, he gets her masturbating over the phone line, thanks to his his breathy, sexy talk. <laughs> uh, and then immediately he fucking he does it again with the next caller. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just a stunning, a stunning pair of scenes. They're just hilarious, over the top, beautifully staged, and yeah, genuinely, mm. genuinely titillating. It is. I mean, for me, the intimacy of someone talking directly into your earphones. Imagine you're at home, under the bed covers, lights off. I've noticed your voice has dropped a few <laughs> octaves here. Well, wow. This is all becoming very meta-referential and weird. Potentially. <laughs> um, it is. It, it's just incredibly um, intimate. It's someone mm. talking directly into your, into, into, your, into your head. It's such a sexual concept. Much like we're doing now <laughs> and just the whole aura of it that smoke I mm. mean I found myself mm. coughing and that, that first 28 minutes for me is some of the best is, is the best moment of a dark movie I think whether mm. Night With is my favourite or not I don't know but that first 28 minutes is to me mm. peak dark I, I don't think yeah. there's much better than that all, all in capture all crowned by this, uh, by the strangulation of Tracy Tweed uh, mm. playing Honey, who of course has the most unbelievably unbelievable image, very similar to the one in Carnal Crimes, um, of, of appearing dressed in red, once more backlit, surrounded by Nick West's cigarette smoke, making that entrance into the studio, and it is quite. Draw dropping. It's it's yeah. draw dropping. Yeah, I mean, it's pause, rewind, play, mm. just to marvel at the technical achievement of it. Not for titillation, just to marvel at how mm. good it looks. It mm. is a modern day neo noir masterpiece. Um, so again, helmed by Wally Fister. Yeah. As you say, the, the, the smoky atmospherics, mm -hmm. the the shadows, these piercing blasts of light, um, but. The, the big the the big thing for me it's a it's such a, a deliciously performance driven mm, film mm. Uh, you know I've I've already said Hewitt he is excellent yeah, here yeah um and you know he's got excellent support from Delia Shepherd once mm. again uh, as his assistant a, a woman called Bridget who may or may not be quite as she seems. Uh, now, they had a few little scenes in Secret Games, yeah. but there's a, you know there's more Shepard and Hewitt interaction here, and it is just an absolute joy. Their, their chemistry is just absolutely wonderful. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got a fairly, a, a fairly amusing and self-aware turn from David Carradine as mm. as the film sort of. He's hard to. Yeah, he is the bad guy, but as he, as the film goes, I, I don't want to go into too because there's so many twists and turns. Yeah, you do, yeah. If someone does track a, track this thing down, I don't want to blow the surprise. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll just say he's the antagonist, um, and his performance. You know, he is this nasty club owner slash gangster. Mm. That it, it, 
know, he 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 makes a good bastard, mm. doesn't he, Carradine? He was worth the ten k a week that he was charging. <laughs> um, I, I I would you know I do want to put it in there while we're on that thing that uh, this was the start of. Uh, Dark and Axis, what they called the common approach to mm. shooting, whereby they'd they'd get a name talent, in this case David Carradine, and they'd contract them for like maybe two or three weeks, and they'd split their time over two different productions. Yeah. So Night Rhythms, it was shot in April 1992, but it was shot pretty much back to back with the next film we'll talk about, Animal Instincts. Mm-hmm. And uh, Carradine, he shot the last week of Night Rhythms and the first week of Animal Instincts. Yeah. Now, in here as well, you've also got Sam Jones, a.k.a. Flash Gordon, mm-hmm. uh, and they did something similar with him. He shot this shortly after he shot, or round about the same time as he shot his appearance in Axis's Moondra flick, The Other Woman, right. mm-hmm. as well. So it was a great way to get name value yeah. and also maximise their exposure by having them do it across two, sometimes even three pictures. Yeah, Um the girls are really good at the, in this, though. I mean, Tracy Tweed, I, I don't know why she didn't appear in more movies, because she, mm. she's great. And also a special word for, for Deborah Driggs, um, who, who plays uh, Cinnamon, uh, a barmaid. Um, great actress. I love the way her bio uh, starts out um, from her start as a Playboy centerfold. To a top-rated insurance industry professional. <laughs> yeah, she made the cover of um, Playboy in uh, March 1990, and she was the very first VJ for Hot Rock on the Playboy channel, replaced wow. eventually by Jenny McCarthy. And also, although she has like a co-lead or a prominent supporting role in, in Night Rhythms uh, and, and a lead role in um, yeah in, in here, it's her husband. Who has a lead role in another Axis film? Her husband is um, Mitch Gaylord. Oh, right, okay. Was Mitch Gaylord, yeah, the Olympic athlete. Right. Who turned to um, acting with Sexual Outlaws the following year. Yeah, and uh, Animal Instincts as well. Yeah. He's in that, yeah. He yeah. He's uh, Maxwell Caulfield's partner, isn't he, in that? Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, Night Rhythms, it was released on US video by Imperial Entertainment on the 9th of mm. September 1992, which incidentally was the same day that Warner Bros. issued Gary Graver's Roots of Evil on video, which also right. starred Delia Shepard. Here in the UK, it was released by Columbia TriStar in January 1993, and Roger Clark of the Manchester Evening News. Uh, he gave it a, a damn, damn fine review, yeah. commenting that there's enough heat in the bedroom scenes to allow you to turn down the gas fire. <laughs> uh, on the subject of Columbia TriStar, though, um, curiously, they used a very similar photo for the art that they slash their one-time partner company, Medusa, used for their cassette of the Shannon Tweed starring film, Sexual Response. Mm. Uh, and that picture was from a photo shoot with B-movie queen slash fellow erotic thriller icon Gail Thackeray. Mm. Uh, they're both really, really hot and eye-catching sleeves, but it is, you know, Thackeray, she ain't in sexual response, she ain't <laughs> in night rhythms. Yeah. So she doesn't feature in either of them. Um, it, here, though, again, here in the UK, night rhythms, uh, it cracked multiple 
top 20 most rented video titles of the week, the week it really? came out. Uh, and it ranked everywhere from 4th place to ninth place to 17th place. Wow. Uh, and in each of the charts that it was part of, there were big hitters like Basic Instinct and mm. The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. And then a few similar but no less, uh, a few smaller, sorry, but no less cool stuff, such as John Ayres' Project Shadow Chaser. So they were all out around about the same time as each other on tape. Um, I also want to draw attention to the fact that uh, one of our personal heroes, critic Kim Newman, Hmm. he has since called Night Rhythms the Citizen Kane of (laughs) top-shelf erotic thrillers. And, yep, I completely wholeheartedly agree with him. It's a masterpiece. Oh, it is, without doubt. A couple of aspects, too, that... With Bleeding In from Dark's Triple X career, you've got an appearance from Kelly Royce as a reporter, and of course she was in Dark's Triple uh, X Between the Cheeks 2, mm-hmm. and six other uh, great Dark erotic films. You also had um, Christina Rose as Marilyn, an exotic dancer who was the lead in 11 Days, 11 Nights 2, and there was more uh, porno action in the form of um, Alison Sterling, who was the second caller in the film to phone up the show, so a bit of triple X action just bleeding in mm-hmm. from Dark's other career. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of in terms of the whole radio themed erotica that existed at the start of the nineties, bit through Body Chemistry two, or even Voices uh, of Seduction from mm-hmm. the mid nineties, this is the king beyond yes. kings. David, I don't want to go to sleep. I want to feel you touch me. I want to feel like you still love me. That's all I ever wanted. I don't care about the cars, the money. I just want you to be with me. I need you. Rip from the headlines is hardly a recurring theme in Greg Dark's career. But with Animal Instincts, that's exactly where the inspiration came from. From Fort Lauderdale, as it happens, it was a classified ad in the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel that requested a frosted blonde Great tan, hot body, very sexual, turquoise eyes, romantic and sensual, seeking a generous, affluent executive male for day-slash-evening interludes. Fun-loving and hot, enclose business card. It sounds like a personal ad, but in actual fact, it was an ad for Kathy Willits, a 33-year-old suburbanite who was married to Jeffrey Willits, a Broward County Sheriff's deputy uh, who eventually was arrested and charged with making money off prostitution. In other words, for being his wife's pimp. <laughs> uh, crazy story. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> crazy story, but that indeed did provide the inspiration for Animal Instincts. Mm. Um, an unusual background, but it's, it an, it, it's, it's an unusual film. Well, actually, well. <laughs> It's a different, yeah, a different yeah. sort of dark movie. Mm, mm, mm. You know, you begin right away in suburbia. Yeah. So far, it's been mansions, wealthy people at the heart of dark erotics. Exactly. Now, the couple here, played by Maxwell Caulfield and Shannon Wirry, yeah, in the first of several awesome collaboration with Gregory Dark and the mm-hmm. first film that sort of cemented her for the brief period of time into one of the what femme fatales used to call the steam queens. Mm-hmm. So the couple 
they're not on the bones of their ass by any stretch of the imagination because, you know, based upon their home, they've got a pool and that. It's clear they're doing okay financially. Yeah. But Animal Instincts, it's certainly if you socio-economic steps beneath the ultra-wealthy that have previously mm, populated mm. dark material. I called it blue-collar softcore. Oh, that's good. I like that. Let's mm, run with that. That's a term. That. Yeah. Um, it's a different sort of title sequence mm. here as well. You know, the Bond style <laughs> is gone. Again, yeah. that whole focus is on suburbia. And this one, I would say, it's more David Lynch blue velvet that's in flavour. You know, yeah. and, th- and there's a real... Badlamenti Twin Peaks lilt to the score by Joseph Smith too, mm. um, although it does, however, incorporate, um, you know, a, a little bit of sax here and there. But it's ma- it's mainly a percussive beat mm. to it as well as well as the sort of like whirring synth sounds. Um, now I'd also say the the Lynchian vibe it extends to Wally Fister's photography as well. Um, okay. You know. Again, I feel like we're hammering us at the same point here, but Dark, he's always had a penchant for the dreamy and the strange, right back to his, you know, the art student approach that he'd take on his pornos. But in Animal Instincts, there is a strong, strong sense that, you know, you, 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 could, you genuinely could make a compelling argument for him having overdosed on Twin Peaks <laughs> and Blue Velvet and Wild mm. at Heart prior to making this movie. Um... You know, one uh, oniric, voyeuristic, lingering, ethereal, almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and Dark is a self-avowed lynch nut. You know, he was name dropping him a few times during the promotion of uh, See No Evil right. in two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, whenever it was. Yeah, um, the Coles, David and Joanna, are replacing the Willets. Um, interesting pair. They've painted in this. Uh, in Animal Instincts anyway, uh, the, the main guy as, as this dedicated cop who just has no interest um, really in, in active sex. He, he just likes to watch. Mm. Where Joanna, on the other hand, is this is this girl who's, who's fixed on antidepressants, which seem to have had the side effect of turning her into a, a virtual nymphomaniac. Mm. Um Again, you've got that duality with... We have this first masturbation scene with Shannon Worry's character where she's dressed completely all in white lingerie. Yet, in the interview, in the police interview, she's there all in black, kind of mm. creating the aura of being a loss of innocence and, and that kind of, kind of soiled mm. sort of path that she's been on. Um, they don't mean seeing each other a year, which is perhaps the most startling film about the narrative, the most startling thing about the narrative. But yeah, and then despite this movie of the week premise, it's still a really, really fascinating film, and, and ultimately one of Dark's best. Certainly with, with the Worry and Dark collaboration, Entertainment Weekly would write how Worry and Hippolyte are fast becoming the Dietrich and von Sternberg of the softcore set. In 1994, while our old friend Mike Mayo in the Roanoke Times wrote that um, Greg Dark is the Orson Welles of softcore and Animal Instincts is to be a lot more enjoyable than Basic Instinct, which is a, a bold statement. But yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. Mm. It's, a, it, it's another masterpiece. 
Mm. I mean, I think mm. this is another. This is a five-star erotic thriller, director video erotic thriller masterpiece, and I do think that this and Night Rhythms and the you know the other masterpiece that we'll get to with of Dark's oeuvre, I do think they can easily hold a candle to the sort of bigger ones like Basic Instinct yeah. and stuff. You know, yeah. I, I certainly would. I would as much as I love. Paul Verhoeven and uh, and Basic Instinct. I would probably pick this over that movie would you? to watch. Genuinely, I just I love the vibe of it. Um, I love I, I love the look. I love the performances. Um, and above all else, you know, like the, the entire setup, it just lends itself to some incredible and and very very potent sex scenes. All mm. very different. Mm-hmm. All very good. Uh, and you know, with, with this recurring. Sexy, but kind of pathetic, but kind of fascinating visual gag of Caulfield's character just sat <laughs> drooling, watching and drinking beer. Yeah, as it, you know, as he witnesses it via a hidden camera. Yeah, I, I wrote how he's, he's supping Michelob in an adjacent room. Loosen <laughs> <laughs> me up. <laughs> but Willie and Caulfield, they are they make a very effective couple. Mm. I think in terms of look, they're both you know they're both beautiful yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Where he's stunning Caulfield, he he's mm. what you know prime beefcake to kind of a term that Linda Ruth Williams uses to describe a few of the studs <laughs> in these sort of things. Um, but you can you can feel yeah. the passion yeah. fizzing beneath them, and, you, and then you can feel the tension in their relationship too. Uh, I think it's interesting to note that what what Dark said, who of course would allegedly start dating Wurry for a few months after yeah. Animal Instinct, a point that her and her agent would later deny because <laughs> there is a lot of animosity between yeah. those parties. But according to Dark, Wurry, she took to the erotic thriller genre like, quote, a duck to water. <laughs> and, you know, she saw everything about her here is just so wonderful, just like in terms of like her movement, the, you know, the timber of her voice and things like that. Just, just, it's, it's a marvellous performance and she's supported so capably by Caulfield. And then the other people who sort of pop up as the film trundles along, like mm-hmm. Delia Shepard, yeah. again, who, who she appears in uh, one sort of erotic encounter. And really, if you think about it, Shepherd's part, this lesbian tryst that mm, she has with mm. Wurry, that's it's the passing of the torch moment, oh, isn't point. it? Analogy, you know, yeah. that's Animal Instincts. It's it's Shepherd's last dark erotic, but it's Wurry's first. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, you, then you've got David Carradine again yeah. as Lambert, either, who you know, of course, is the proprietor of another strip club, <laughs> uh, which is, and I loved this line, absolutely love it. The home of the best tits in town. <laughs> uh, but what's cool Snappy. is, even though it's a very similar mm. sort of performance in footing to how he was in Night Rhythms, it's contrasted because they were sort of intense and creepy, whereas here he's more of like, he's a cocky wise ass. Mm. And he's got an earring, mm-hmm. of course, which is always a nice touch. Mm. But he's very, very funny too. He gets all the funniest lines, all the funniest bits. Like when he's apprehended, mm. it's just, it's a scream <laughs> how flippant. He is, hmm. you know, where he's just flipping his hands, like, all right, come on then, take me in, boys. <laughs> just great. Yeah, it, it, it's superb. Um, I do want to say, though, in terms of the US video release, hmm. so Academy Entertainment, 21st of October, 1992. Just to recap, yeah, this, Mirror Images, Secret Games, Night Rhythms, they all landed on US video within 
eight months of wow. each other. What a year. How's that for a run? And with this, I think it's just a case of abiding by the tagline of the video store box. All you have to do is watch. What are you bitching about? Most women would love to be considered a sexy body. Who the hell are you? I confess. I'm Jonathan's lover. What? Yeah. Who are you? Clarissa, this is Lana. She's, um... This is a private consultation. Clarissa. Clarissa. Oh, I remember now. You're the one that Jonathan fucked. So, Matthew, is it true that an intelligent man's orgasm is much more complex than the average man? <laughs> I knew you'd be asking me that question. <laughs> Sorry, I can't answer it myself. <laughs> Here we are with um, film number six on the first part of this Greg Dark Odyssey. Um... And we have Body of Influence in front of us. Not Body of Evidence, Body of Influence uh, from 1993. Again, a five-star. Mm-hmm. Without question. Movie. Brilliant, brilliant movie indeed. Not for the first time, but in one of the few times we have a dark movie with a male lead. Yes. As with Night Rhythms. Rare occurrence, but when he did it, it really, it really mm. did work. That male lead is played by Nick Cassavetes, who plays Jonathan Brooks, a successful psychiatrist who has his world turned upside down by the appearance of Laura, played by Shannon Worry, a mysterious woman who cannot recall her past. Helping Jonathan with her is Detective Reams, played by Richard Roundtree. Harry Reams, not the porno actor, Harry <laughs> Reams. Just the character, Harry Reams. Um, who helps Jonathan to unlock her secret against the backdrop of the oh-so-typical serial killer who's leaving a trail of victims in his wake. This is my favourite film in this segment. Mm. I absolutely love this film mm. uh, for, for a number of reasons. To me, it, it's like freeform jazz. Mm. I think you mentioned David Lynch previously on what Dark said about him on mm -hmm. the um, Sino Evil press tour. This is Dark doing Lynch. I think there's so many Lynchian aspects mm. to this in kind of like a dreamlike otherworldly thing. Um I, I do think as well there's another two there's a there's a real Cronenberg okay. element to it as well. Right. That that sort of dead ringers esque sense of mm -hmm. you know in inward horror from one's own mind and one's own desires and things like that and the sort of transformative effect that it has on your mind and mm. even, you know, and I guess here, you know, the, the, the effect that it has on Cassavetes' body, it's it's not like sort of fleshy Cronenbergian transformations or anything like that, but it, he literally, he becomes a, a vessel of pure <laughs> sex and desire. Yeah. Which, yeah, it, yeah. you know, and it's a very powerful arc that he goes on. Um, it's... You know, it's one of three erotic thrillers that Cassavetes would make in quick succession. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously I've seen The Notebook repeatedly, <laughs> um, but in terms of being being an actor, I mean, you're you're well versed with Sins of Desire. Mm. So, I mean, how does this fare with regard to his erotic thrillers? 
this is this is the cream of the crop hmm. with them. Obviously, as we'll go on to discuss uh, the the Gregory Dark Sins of the Night, hmm. which is has a good Cassavetti's performance, but isn't yeah. one of either of their best. And then Jim Wynorski's similarly titled but wildly, wildly different in tone, <laughs> Sins of Desire, which I do hope that we'll be covering on a podcast at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a strange sort of body of influence. It does overlap with Wynorski's Sins of Desire because they both concern sort of radical sex therapies. Mm. However... Like I said, well, and even, I guess for, you know, I, I refer to Sins of Desire as Cronenberg as done by Viz. <laughs> so that does have the Cronenbergian lilt as well. Right. But the other big dark influence here that really strikes me is, well, the script, it was, it, it, Body of Influence was written by David P. Schreiber. Yeah. And it is, it, essentially, it's, it's him and Dark doing a kind of chamber piece version of a Brian De Palma type mm-hmm, picture. Mm-hmm. You know, there's elements of sisters, yeah. dressed to kill, body double, and even the then very recent Raising Cain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every single one of those De Palma flicks, yep, they swirl around one of Dark's favourite themes, duality. So, you know, the, the, the film, it, it, it's about split personalities, it's about becoming someone else, it's about transformation. You know, thusly, body of influence, it, it, it it's... It's suitably strange and weird. It's got a very, very fabulous off-kilter mood to it, which Mm. it's it's accentuated by the fact that it's it really is quite a stagey little production. You know, it's very unsettling and very, very menacing, but you can totally imagine it being performed as a really sort of weird off-Broadway play. You know, most of the action, Mm. quote unquote, it's it's confined to one or two sets, and the bulk of it, it's driven by these really, really tense dialogue exchanges mm. between the two main characters, obviously amidst all the softcore parking. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the dialogue, I mean, that's one of the things. And I know within the Axis fold, they kind of had a, a writing, developing thing by... By know, committee. By committee. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's one of the things they don't get enough credit for. Some of the lines in a lot of these films are just absolutely wonderful. You know, there's a moment in this where Cassavetti's turns to worry um, after she's just been raped. And he says to her, how do you know that you were raped? And her reply is, I smell so sinful. Oh, delicious. Yeah. Delicious. I think that's absolutely brilliant. It, it, it's, it's marsh. But yeah, going back to Cassavetti's, he's good in this for a number of reasons. One, he's a really good actor. And two, he's not the stereotypical lead in an erotic thriller. I think he has this crisp, white-collar efficiency to him. Mm. He's cold, he's steely, he's, he's slick, he's got this olive skin. He's not He's not a beefcake. You yeah, know? yeah. He is yeah, more... He, he's sort of a gangly-looking fella, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Funny-looking, as Steve Buscemi might say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think he's, he's an excellent bit of casting. And of course, worry goes without... Um, I mean, Worry's performance is, you know, like her predecessor, like Delia Shepard in Mirror Images, she has a dual role. Mm. One as Laura and the other as Lana, who's who's Laura's, you know, nymphomaniac split personality that comes out of her via some hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Just phenomenal. They're, They're both ferocious, but 
completely different part, and you really do believe that she is both characters. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the key word for me: dramatic, disturbed, dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without that, a couple of sketchy moments in this. Uh, I think uh, is it the brothel, the money pan brothel they go to. There's a moment in that where you've got a young girl mm. being introduced. No, that's a very, very dark scene. That's a very dark scene. I think the line of dialogue is, you know, her breasts are just starting to distinguish yeah. themselves. And, and dark, by the way, as in, like, tonally yeah. nasty, rather than not dark as in, oh, it's a classic Gregory Dark moment. Yeah, there's this virgin offered to, to Cassavetes. Mm. I was kind of... Uh, yeah, that and that was a moment that it, 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 it's left made all the taste. more unsettling mm. by the fact that the the, the, the madame is yeah. is played by Michelle Stafford, right. and she's played as this sort of really savvy and quite maybe not knockabout, but a bit of a cheeky chappy kind of character. <laughs> and then weirder still is that not long after this, Stafford she mm. bagged a role in The Young and the Restless, right. you know, that long-running yeah, American yeah, yeah. soap, and she's pretty much been in that ever since with a few uh, breaks here and there. Cast-wise, though, you've said Richard Roundtree, um, and you know, I'm presuming he's following the whole Sam Jones slash The Other mm, Woman slash mm, Night mm, Rhythms mm. and Carradine slash Night Rhythms Animal Instincts template of doing yeah. a week on the previous movie and mm, then a week mm. on this one. Um, but he gets... The final sort of exchange with Cassavetes that, that, that's just mwah, chef's that kiss. Is absolutely, the last real. It, it's a fucking kick to the bollocks, that. Oh, that that final sequence, that last ten minutes. I, I think I, I know I'm repeating myself by saying it's the best part of a dark film, <laughs> and equal first, you know. Mm. Um, it's just absolutely tremendous. The the dialogue scene between Rantry and Cassavetes. Just absolutely mm. momentous. What an ending. What just, a bold Just linking, because ending. obviously there's, there's a plot strand throughout the movie where, yeah. uh, as well as this mysterious woman with a mm. split personality, there's also been a case of stranglings yeah. of women that have mm. been going mm. on. And, you know, the ambiguity mm. of who it might or <laughs> might not be, it yeah. is, oh, it, it, it is, you know, it leaves you feeling cold. Yeah. You know, and then obviously Ashley Smith's score, which is mm. just eerie as fuck. That just then that comes trickling in on the soundtrack, and it just, you know, dark. There's a, a quote from him where, as he was getting further and further into doing the erotic thrillers, mm. he was trying harder and harder not to titillate, and he was trying harder and harder to juxtapose sex with violence or right. sex with weird things to really catch his audience off guard. And I think that this is one of the ultimate examples. Of that body of influence is arguably, you know, the pinnacle of, mm-hmm. of him being provocative, of being strange and being odd. Yeah, with that ending, I mean, I know I referenced it before with the interracial stuff, but it's something you would not see in a Hollywood movie and in a studio movie. No, you, not you would not period. see an ending no, like no, that. No, not at all. Not at an all, ending yeah. like that, so so bleak, bleak, so cut and dry. Yeah, that that's mm. quite something. I, I think if if you can track this film down. You really need to do it. It's, it's, it's one of the best erotic yeah. thrills of that era. Thematically, another constant is the video aspect. Mm. You've got another videotape involved here, more voyeurism, which again just connects the past few films. Yeah, all, all the dots in the in the, in, yeah. in darks canon. Mm-hmm. Let, let's 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 do this release of yeah. this film because well, it's a bit of a jigsaw, isn't it? Yeah. Well, first off. Body of Influence, it was made around about the time that Dark was being courted to direct Haw 2. 
Oh, yeah. The yeah. sequel, uh, the Ken Russell movie. Mm. Uh, ultimately, Dark didn't get the job. Uh, yeah. they, they, for whatever reason, he and the producers couldn't come to a deal. It went to some someone else. Mm. Uh, you know, not the resulting film. It's all right. It's not mm-hmm. quite as good as Ken Russell's Horror, but I think for under Dark's direction, it probably would have been a lot more interesting. Particularly as he was very keen to develop it in a body of influence type mode mm. and make it darker and nastier and stranger. But yeah, Body of Influence, it was released on US video by Academy Entertainment on the 21st of April 1993. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was released on UK video by Columbia TriStar in mm. June 1993, but not as Body of Influence, <laughs> as presumably because of dark directing, the Axis guys producing, and because yeah. of the connection of videotapes and Shannon Weary and such, it was released over here as Animal Instincts 2. Yeah. Uh, so naturally, that caused an absolute arse on with mm. the two official Animal Instincts sequels over here. <laughs> so Dark's actual Animal Instincts 2, that ended up being released here as Animal Instincts 3 by Columbia TriStar Offshoot 2020 Vision, while Animal Instincts 3, The Seductress, that Mm. had to be released sans number (laughs) 3 as just Animal Instincts, The Seductress, by High Flyers. Mm. You know, despite Body of Influence as a title, then, you know, it it didn't actually exist over here by that name until Black Horse released the film on DVD in, like, 2007, 2008. High Flyers, they still released Body of Influence 2 mm. under that name, but that wasn't directed by Dark, even though it's an Axis film and, you know, it's, it, it's far and it's of significantly lesser quality than the Dark movie. Although, in the world of cable, to complicate things further, Body of Influence premiered on UK pay per view on Sky Movies on New Year's Day 1994 as Body of Influence. Good. Grief. Why don't you end this now? Okay. I'm in love. That's Roxy. Back then she was Roxanne Flowers. Exotic dancer, all-American bitch. I want you to find her. What was it about some stripper that would make Quincy have me drop everything to find her? Knowing him, she must have been a real freak. I bet you're not wearing panties, are you? You like it when I don't wear panties, don't you? Shut up! So, right now, I feel like we've gone back in time to, like, 2019, 2020 time, where, you know, when we were doing Natural Selection? Mm. So, you know, we were doing all the direct-to-video creature features, the type of stuff Sci-Fi and the USA Network and Channel 5 used to play back in the day. Every one of those episodes, we always seem to end on a whimper. Mm. You know, we have, like, all these great movies, bang, 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 going all the way through, and then the last one that you look at, yeah, yeah, it was all right. So, and that's the case here. This is probably, you know, we've had three fried gold Gregory Dark yeah. Axis Films masterpieces up to this point. We've had Night Rhythms, Animal Instincts, uh, Body of Influence. Yeah. And then, boom, mm. here we are, Sins of the Night. A film that isn't entirely without merit, no, no. but it just has a hard time getting going and... Maybe not entertaining, but maybe it just never gets itself in order and it doesn't grip you like it should. Yeah. I, I mean, essentially it's, it's about a girl, an exotic dancer who filed an insurance claim. Mm. Yeah. Which doesn't really... And it's about an insurance investigator. It, it's, yeah. it's not it's not bums on seats, 
No. There's a great deal to like. You know, it's great it's deal the like. most noirish Gregory oh. Dark film. It, 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 it is him literally playing with the film noir form. You know, it, it, the whole thing, it's like a, a super sexy jazzed up update of Double Indemnity yeah. Yeah. and things yeah. like yeah. that, isn't it? And, you know, you've got the, the hard boiled narration, which is a mm-hmm. technique that Dark had flirted with previously in other movies and things yeah. like that. But here, it's done very much in that hard boiled noir style. And you've even got. The returning Nick Cassavetes, mm-hmm. uh, Nick Cassavetes rather, with his you know slicked hair as this yeah. insurance investigator and yeah, Jack, stuff. Jack you... Nietzsche, Jack yeah, Nietzsche, yeah, so groan-inducing. He's even asked, doesn't he, any relation to the philosopher? Uh, yeah, and you know it, it, dames and deception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's like he's he's not ex-con, isn't he? Ex-con, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, yeah. He's got this job as insurance investigator. His first assignment is to find Roxanne Flowers. Her friends call her Roxy. Exotic dancer who fired a claim years ago. He's working for the Anaconda Casualty Company, um, run by Quincy, uh, played by Matt Rowe. The brilliant Matt yeah, Rowe. Matt Rowe is superb. Jag Moon's a regular Matt Rowe. Yeah. A, 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 who literally, you know, I wish he was still alive. I really, really do. But if you ever needed to pl- get someone to play an oily prick in a director video erotic thriller... <laughs> Fucking Matt Rowe was your man. He was. Um, and yeah, playing Ted Quincy. Quincy is, well, Roxy is Quincy's ex, but she's now with Falcone, um, played by Miles O'Keefe. A nasty uh, gangster. Indeed he is. Uh, and thus, sort of, uh, uh, thus the narrative proceeds and double crossing and, and various... Mm, I had a hard time keeping up with it, mm. to be honest. Uh, written by Russell Lavelle, who'd also write Secret Games yeah. 2, the escort for Dark and Axis. Mm. But uh, it just sort of ambles along without any sense of purpose. Uh, and as, as stylish as Sins of the Night is, that mm. can only carry it so far. Yeah. Especially as when... You know, you've, you've, you've got a great performance from Cassavetes. Mm-hmm. You've got a great performance from Matt Rowe. Yeah. But then you've got the kind of... Miles O'Keefe is just kind of... Meh. <laughs> and then Deborah Shelton, well, she ain't no Shannon Weary. No. She no. ain't no Delia Shepherd. No. She's definitely... It's almost like we're back at carnal crimes sort of territory, bit. but I would 100% prefer to watch carnal crimes again over yeah. Sins of the Night. So for me, thematically, I think it, it ties in well with Body of Influence. I think it would make a good B picture. If you're mm. having a double bill, if, you, if it was a theatrical experience, I think Sins of the Night would be a good intro for, for, for Body of Influence. Just a film to have on when you're getting your drinks, you're getting your, your popcorn, yeah, yeah. you're mulling around, you're getting really you're comfortable, you're getting in the, in the zone. This is a good film to have on in the mm. background. Set the mood. Like you say, it's very, very stylish. It does have a strong climax with a, a gunfire pepper double crossing thing. Mm, it's got the same sort of uh, bleak ending as Fred Olin Ray's Possessed by the Night, right, where you know, right. where, where it's basically at the risk of skirting around spoilers, it's basically everyone shooting everyone, yeah, and stuff. And that's that's fun and it's nicely staged. Yeah, and, and also it's filmed around like parts of Skid Row, mm, so it's got a real grimy, authentic quality to it, mm, as opposed to dark sort of Hollywood Hills, Beverly Hills. Um, you know, upper mm. class, upper class, well-to-do member yeah. society. It's more along the dregs, more on the gutter, uh, mm. which is a good, which is a place I would have liked him to go visit more often, really. Yeah, because yeah. it was quite. Because so, sometimes you got to think to yourself, well, you know, his dark kind of the epitome of a punk, mm. and he's shooting 
in like Beverly Hills. It's kind of like a contrast. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, uh, I liked him ground level. Mm. That's but, kind of... But he, with he that, that though, mm. I'm a firm believer where, you know, to sort let's get... If we got Dark in line with his contemporaries here, mm. so mm. obviously Dark, punky, kind of alternative, mm. strange mm. guy from a very grimy, hardcore, triple uh, X background. Yeah. And he's making a lot of these... The bulk of his movies, rather, he's making a lot of them uh, with these big, showy, ostentatious mansion, rich people settings. Mm, you mm. look at someone like Jag Mundra. Yeah. You look at someone like Paul Verhoeven. You know, they're, they're masters at, as two foreign gentlemen, mm. of, of exploring, you know, Americana almost and certain American tropes and that. And that's because they're outsiders, they're foreigners, they're looking in to the American lifestyle. That's why mm. they can satirise it as well as they can. And I think that's why Dark is probably, you know, that, maybe not attracted to, but that's why the rich footing of Axis stuff is... Mm. I do like it when Dark is probing that because he's not mm. afraid to take swipes at the no. upper classes yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is, you know, there, there is a certain sense where when you do watch sins of the night and mm. the other ones that are set on the lower scale that he he obviously does have an affinity with these sort of seamier areas and stuff but i do like it when he is sort of you know when he's when he's the strange black clad guy at the pool party <laughs> probing these people yeah because yeah, that's yeah. that's his all mo anyway i mean if you could make a uniting theme about all the dark stuff that we've watched so far and all the ones that are going to come into the next episode yeah. he said plenty of times that he you know, when, even when he was making hardcore, he mm-hmm. considers himself an anthropologist. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's very much into exploring and probing his characters, be it physically and psychologically. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the the gutting things about this uh, movie, Sins of the Night, is is what might have been, and of course, what might have been is in place of Deborah Shelton, mm. we may have had Cheryl Lee. Yeah, which would have been a whole different concept. I mean, it's a, it's a, <laughs> there's a great quote oh, from so oh. problematic. Like, oh man, there's a great like, quote from Dark. If in, people have made it this far, the people have fuck made it, it this they, far. they deserve it. This is from the mouth of the Dark Man. From himself. the mouth of Babes, um, Psychotronic Magazine. Dark was asked about uh, obviously Sons of the Night, uh, and he was saying how how much Firewalk with Me is his favourite. David Lynch film. Uh, how much, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, yeah. How much he's obsessed with a lead actress. Nameless in the article, but presumably it's Cheryl Lee. Uh, yeah, he says, and to quote, I really liked her. She's such a coke horse slut in that movie. Not a very good actress, but she's got a weird stage presence that's very nice. I wanted to get her in my movie, but the other producers didn't meet the price that she quoted. I forget her name. You know, that coke horse slut. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And that, you know, oh, Gregory, you little scam. Shirley <laughs> Lee is not a co-course look. Shirley no. is absolutely gorgeous and a fine actress. A damn fine actress. so many films. But yeah, that would have been wonderful to see her in this film. Mm. Because I, I think she would have been brilliant as it well. It probably would have opened up a lot of doors. I, I do. I think it would have, it would have opened mm. up a lot more of an entertaining sensibility yeah. as well and stuff. Because it, it, it kills me. Because I, Deborah Shelton... I love her in Albert Pune's Nemesis. Right. She's great in that, mm-hmm. and she's really, really hot as well in there. And yeah. she, you know, and she's a very good-looking lady. But she just, she does sort of suck the energy <laughs> out of the scenes. And 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 you know, the, the sex here. I think that we're reaching a point in Dark CV where he's he's starting to become a little weary 
of doing the soft core, and mm. he's starting to get a little bit bored of it. You know, he's trying yeah. to get other. At the time this was made, he was trying to get other projects off the ground. You're trying to get like an urban werewolf movie mm. going with New Line. And, uh, I forget its name, but you know he was trying to get other things. Got a few TV projects as well, according to Garoni and Gurnett, mm-hmm. and they were. You know, they'd said in their interview with Linda Ruth Williams that they were having a hard time keeping him focused <laughs> on Axis yeah, yeah. and stuff. So, again, we go back to him being creatively restless at yeah. this point, which, admittedly, does lead to some very, very unusual and strange erotics that we are going to be looking at next time. Yeah, next time we, we have a number of sequels. We have Secret Games 2, Mirror Images 2... Animal Instincts 2, um, and a couple of interesting singles. Uh, and they're all worth tuning in for. But for now... This is your fix. Yeah. And we're sorry that we left it so long. Yeah. But this next episode, stay tuned. Go seek them out and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to head over to theschlockpit.com. See you next time on Flesh Noir.